Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning and welcome again to Orange Crest Community Church. Um, I'm Bruce. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to meet you after service. Uh, I'm on staff as one of the associate pastors here. Our senior pastor, Josh De La Rosa and his wife Erica are gone right now on a trip to Italy celebrating their 20th anniversary, which is pretty exciting for them. Uh, we're really glad to see them get this time to, to be away and to celebrate that milestone. And then even after Josh returns, we're, we're, uh, we're able to give him an eight-week speaking break. And so our staff and some key leaders will be uh, preaching the next two series for, for June and July. And really what that is is a valuable time uh, for Josh to refocus and get clarity for uh, what we need to be focused on as a church over the next year. Uh, we calendar it out next year during the summer. And so one of the things that helped me that to, to develop as a church staff member over the past few years is being a part of a seminary training program called the Antioch Project. And uh, that's a five-year program. Uh, and at the end of it, I was able to get a master's degree from that. And, and it's kind of connected through our, our church network and a seminary um, in, up north. Uh, but when I was in this program, uh, it's, it's known as somewhat of a pressure cooker. And so they heap on a lot of uh, pressure and assignments. And uh, this program, and, and the time that it happened in my life, severely tested my limits and my capacity, especially as I was trying to balance uh, family life. I was trying to balance uh, working and getting all these assignments done. There was you know, lots of deadlines coming for assignments and then deadlines for, for making payments on, on this thing. And so there was a lot of pressure. And, and I knew during this time, it was a five-year stretch that I couldn't drop any of my responsibilities. And actually, we started having kids during this time as well. And I knew I needed to get all my work done. So I came up with a heroic solution. I, I just decided I won't get any sleep. <laughs> I, I'm going to work during the day at my job, and I'll stay up at night with my family and my kids and, and church activities. Uh, I'll sleep for a few hours, and then I'll wake up real early in the morning and just get right back after it. I'll start doing papers in the morning while it's dark. I'll just get my coffee. It's, it's what I need. And so uh, I'll put that, I put that on repeat because I was driven. I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty driven guy. I was, wanted to meet those deadlines. I really wanted to graduate you know, on time. I didn't want to go late, and I really wanted to stop making payments <laughs> to the program. I, wanted, you know, I was pretty motivated. And uh, at one point I was cautioned by my leader, Josh, uh, to, to just reconsider the pace a little bit, maybe, maybe extend out the timeline or be willing to consider the impact that this might be having on me or my family. And my wife also said, like, I don't know, you know, maybe this pace isn't sustainable. And uh, I just told everybody, I got this. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, and it didn't take long before I was in a de- deficit of energy. <laughs> um, I started struggling. Uh, the quality of my work was dropping. I was uh, easily irritated with my kids and, and just very tired. There's a clip from The Incredibles that kind of does a good job showing a guy who's depleted. So just look at this real quick. I'll give you a picture what I was feeling. Not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? No, math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. All over Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf's are dozing. Carl is so heavy. They're trooping. Close it! <laughs> this movie does a good job showing a guy who is depleted. And that really was me many times, falling asleep, kids on my lap, book open, drool maybe coming out, I don't know. 
I was, uh, I was exhausted. And uh, as it turns out, good intentions and optimism are insufficient as a source of sustenance in life. And uh, during this time, I don't think I was using all of God's resources. I was uh, really leaning more on just willpower and coffee. I <laughs> uh, wasn't being too open to input, and so I think I paid a bigger price than we needed to because of that. Having a heavy load of responsibilities like I had during that time can be very draining. And if it goes on for too long, I just I start feeling overwhelmed with everything i got to do and things start piling up. And I think that we all routinely experience just different parts of life that are very draining. There may be things in your life right now that are draining to you or, or things that are just wearing you down. I mean, I don't know. Have, have you ever gotten through a long day and you just fall into bed exhausted because you're just wiped out from the day? Or have you ever woken up in the morning at a time when you should be feeling refreshed and ready to go, but you're just as exhausted <laughs> as when you went to sleep? I mean, I've, I've been there. And, and when the Apostle Paul, uh, who was a man who helped start the early church, he's known for starting many, many churches, and he really uh, expended a lot of energy uh, for the kingdom of God. When he got to the end of his life, he made this reflection in 2 Timothy 4.7. He could say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And I used to think you'd want to be able to say a little bit more than just that, just that I, I've just kept the faith. Like I want to say, like, I've, I've built all this, I've done all this. He's just, I, I kept the faith. And I'm starting to realize that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> if you can make it through life and just keep the faith, and you can, and you can finish the race, you know, forget first place, just getting across the finish line <laughs> and you make it through, there, there's just so much working against us in life. And so this is a statement of, of great faith and endurance. Uh, over this uh, past few weeks, Pastor Josh has been speaking on the topic of getting blindsided by different things that come up in life. Uh, some of the things we discussed were, were burnout, uh, dealing with compromise, compromising situations or de- decisions. And some of those message, messages seem to ring true for a handful of people here. And in fact, you could even listen to the podcasts that we have of those recorded. But uh, this topic of being sustained, is it, it can serve as an additional follow-up for handling some of those tensions uh, that were brought up in that series. When we're, go- when we're going through a period of life, when we're feeling drained or depleted or dis- just discouraged or, or worn out, what is the thing that sustains us? What's the thing that, that gives us energy, that allows us to motor through the things that are coming at us? And people have tried a lot of different ways to answer this question. And uh, a popular phrase today, you may have heard of it, uh, is self-care. There's this idea of, of, of self-care, is finding, finding ways to you know, make sure that you're, you're whole and happy and healthy and you're protected and you're doing well. Uh, because we, you know, we naturally, we're just looking, you know, at, especially when the crunch is on, we're, we're looking for ways to, to pr- promote our health and then protect how we're doing and protect our happiness. Um, here's one explanation about how to practice self-care from an online video blog that I found. Just a clip from the video, just kind of gives us an idea of this concept. Go ahead and roll that. Step two, ideally before the need strikes, research outwardly and inwardly what self-care means and what works for you. There are self-care actions that can help pretty much everyone, getting proper nutrition, some exercise, enough sleep, hydrating, and taking small breaks throughout the workday. We'll link to a list of almost 50 self-care actions down in the doobly-doo. But everyone is unique, so it's important to ask what actions make me feel better. What actions make me feel better? And and there's some things there he listed, some uh, good health habits, which are actually a lot of things he listed are are really healthy and and ways that we can move forward in life. 
Uh, think nutrition, sleep, hydration. In fact, I might even add to the list a few other things. Like I said, I'd probably put coffee on that spinning wheel. I'd probably put uh, vacations, uh, getting time off to, to promote our health. But is it possible that uh, strategies like these are too simple on their own to really sustain us over a lifetime? Uh, these, are, you know, these, these strategies and these tips of, of health, health and, and nutrition are uh, they're good when things are going relatively smoothly in life, but life is full of trouble and unpredictability, and you can't always just so neatly organize things. I, and I think deep down, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we know there's a deeper void, and there's, there's a longing in our hearts that's not so easily filled. Not everything that rests you truly refreshes you. Uh, I'm often drawn into thinking that a good night's sleep is going to be a thing that refreshes me. <laughs> and, you know, just If I get enough sleep, uh, that's going to solve my problems. But very often, there's just not a link between how much sleep I get and how I'm doing. There's, I think there's more going on here. And anyway, you don't typically see regimented health habits as the primary factor for highly influential people who, who endured through a lifetime of stress and difficulty. Uh, take Winston Churchill, for example. Uh, Winston was one of the most important people who lived in the 20th century. Uh, he was known as a lion. He lived into old age. And he was an undeniable protector of, of life and freedom for so many people, uh, actually generations of people around the globe. His impact, it's hard to even calculate his impact, fighting heroically against the Nazi regime. There was a movie done on him recently called The Darkest Hour. It's a really good movie. Um, but in it, you kind, of, you kind of get a window into his horrible habits of sleep, uh, drinking, medicine. Uh, you know, some of his habits were among the worst. And so it's interesting to see this comparison here. Maybe there's, maybe there's just more to it than, than just health habits. Or, or the Apostle Paul. Here's a picture of the, a painting of the Apostle Paul. And in terms of health routines, Paul was a pretty unbalanced person. <laughs> sleep, and re, sleep and eating were very low priority to him. He often went without both. Uh, he had rough living conditions. He lived in dirty prisons, didn't have enough clothing at times. And yet his influence also, it, it just can't be measured. There's, there's no way to even measure the impact that he had. And he made it to the end very well. I want to make it through the draining seasons of life. I, I, want, I would like the blessing of my life to extend even beyond my own lifetime into my kids, see them walk with the Lord strongly, and to see the fruit of my life blossom into eternity. What can truly sustain that kind of life? Uh, and like I said, we're not the first people to be asking this kind of question. In fact, uh, we're going to look at a group of people who wrestled with this tension in the days of Jesus. If we look in the, in the Bible, in the book of John, uh, we find a group of people who are also, uh, they were on the hunt to find and obtain the resources that would sustain them through life. And so this is a group of people who uh, were following Jesus around because they thought he had the answer. Uh, and Jesus said, you know, we're going we're to pick up a story right where Jesus had finished an incredible miracle. He fed 5,000 men and women and children enough bread and, and fish to sustain them, to fill up their tummies. And so Jesus also, he healed a lot of people of their sicknesses, uh, medical problems, even some mental problems and, and other oppression that they faced. And, and this was uh, significant because this was during a time when there was, medicine was very basic. Uh, there was no aspirins, no tranquilizers, uh, no sleeping tablets, no antidepressant pills, none of that. And, and so Jesus, he, he filled their tummies and he healed their bodies. And so they're following him around. And Jesus was very gracious and compassionate in the way he took care of people's physical needs. But Jesus knew that these men and women, they lived with a deep, aching void in their souls that no amount of food, nutrition, or physical well-being could satisfy. 
Jesus did have the answer to what truly could sustain us in life, but it's not what they had in mind. So in John chapter 6, we're going at verse 27, Jesus says, But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. This is such a profound statement. The fact that he's drawing such a sharp contrast, a distinction between the things that they were chasing, you know, physical, perishable things like food, and something on a much, much higher level of concern. He's talking about eternal life. They weren't, even, they weren't really thinking about that. He's talking about eternal life. And so for Jesus, it wasn't just thinking about feeling good right now and just having balance in my life now. Or he, He's elevating their sights and their concerns to something far more enduring and significant. And the eternal life that we find in Jesus, that, that we can find in him, it's not just your life now going on forever. Uh, I don't know if you'd see that as a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> depending on how things are going. Uh, but he gives us eternal life that it's of a very different quality. Uh, starting now and then on through eternity, it's a, it's a life of inter- internal well-being and peace and abundance uh, that we can't get anywhere else. And so in verse 33, uh, Jesus said, The true bread of God, and they're, he's talking about bread now because they're concerned about you know, get, getting fed and having enough to eat. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they're, they're interested in this idea. They want this incredible bread. So they say, sir, sir, give us this bread every day. And they're still thinking primar- primarily in terms of physical food. Uh, but again, he, he's, he's going beyond the physical. Jesus is pointing to a source of strength and well-being that, that goes beyond food, goes beyond coffee and, and vacations and, and just good vibes and the latest trends of health and wellness products that can be found around. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So this, of course, is a metaphor. Jesus is speaking not just of the body, but of the soul. And every human being lives with a driving need to know God. And that, that really is that deep, longing, aching void inside of us to, to know God. And that, that's just that's hardwired into each and every one of us. If, if you're a living, breathing human being, this is hardwired into you. And this need for God is recognized more by some people and less by others, but it's there. And I think... I think there's a reason that we get overwhelmed in life. I think there's a reason that we experience just deep pits of discouragement or facing physical exhaustion um, or worry or, or discouragement. All of these things create a hunger and a thirst inside of us for something more. And, and all of our man-made resources and strategies, if they work at all, it's only for a few moments. And so during this conversation, Jesus removes the confusion by speaking... Uh, in even more extreme, even more graphic terms in, in this next passage. It may even raise a few eyebrows. Look at verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I can say with confidence, this is not a passage that promotes cannibalism. <laughs> uh, some people may have taken it that way if you take it right at face value. Uh, this is figure, you know, figurative language. And um, in fact, I, I've really, over the years, as I've been confused by things in the Bible, I, I've 
learned to, it, you know, some of the meaning has, has come apart. And there's, there's lots of parts of the Bible that are maybe raise eyebrows or you're not sure how they make sense. And um, I've come to really appreciate just the depth of um, diversity and creativity that God used in writing the Bible that makes it so interesting and, and, and beautiful to read. And so this is an interesting passage. Uh, again, this is a metaphor. And really, uh, the flesh and the blood of Jesus here is a metaphor for his death on the cross. It was the sacrifice of his body and the blood that he spilled. That he, you know, he sacrificed his body uh, and he spilled his blood. And that is what unleashed the possibility of a very different kind of life for all of us. And so really to, to eat of his flesh and to drink of his blood really means to embrace him for who he says he is. She means we accept his sacrificial death on the cross and declare that he becomes the Lord of our lives. Um, we let him call the shots in, in life about everyday living, how we spend our money, the words that we use, the way we treat our family members or our boss or our coworkers. If we eat and drink of Jesus, he becomes the Lord of our lives. Here's what we get. We get abundant spiritual life right now. And we get union with Jesus and access to his incredible resources. And what I love is we also get the great hope of being resurrected to new life, to eternal life. And so this is a big, bold statement that Jesus makes. And, and there are two responses that, that people had. Uh, for the majority, this didn't land very well. And in fact, it was very offensive. People were starting to catch on to the meaning here. And, and it was very offensive to many of them. And I think it's still offensive to many people today. Here's one response. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Uh, and, and when it says disciples here, that's just referring to a large group of people that were just following him around at this time. Uh, and he still had his core group of, of 12 disciples that you may have heard about before. But for this larger group, it finally dawned on them that following Jesus meant far more than just hanging around Jesus, being familiar with him, hoping to see and experience benefits of his physical power. Not everyone was ready to turn their lives over to Jesus. So then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? And this was his core group of guys. You know, they had been tracking with him for a while, and it really was a critical moment. Jesus had very clearly laid out the alternatives. Um, this this you know, description of the bread of life, is, in some ways, is the climax to many things that Jesus had been teaching up to this point. And so it's now Jesus had drawn a big line in the sand. People are leaving. And, and this is a time you can't slip by unnoticed. This was decision time. The true followers of Jesus, they responded with what's one of my favorite statements in the Gospels. Simon Peter, he replied, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom should we go? I think... That's the question I find myself asking. I ask that all the time as I'm driving, as I'm going through life, I'm facing trouble. Where, where else could I possibly go? And, and Peter's saying, Lord, you're, you're it. <laughs> There's no contest. It, it would be a joke. We'd be crazy to think we could find anything better anywhere else. Everything we need is found directly in you. This is a statement of such incredible confidence. And, and for those of us who have, we've already made Jesus the Lord of our lives, it really can be easy to get pulled around by other sources that promise to help us and sustain us. When I get overwhelmed by the unending to-do list in life, or when I'm feeling defeated and discouraged, where do I turn first? Lord, to whom should we go? Or when my body and my skin is broken and infected, or, or when I'm feeling 
isolated, in need of friendship, to whom do I turn first? Or when I just, I need hope. I need to cling to something that's going to extend beyond everything that's happening in the world right now, the trouble of this life. We, we try to do things on our own strength and resources, and it falls through. Our own strategies, our own ideas about what's going to work, uh, they fall through because we, we aspire to, to be better, to do better, to, to, to manage things. We aspire and then we tire. We aspire to, to be more balanced, to be more healthy. I'm going to be more, uh, have things figured out. I'm going to take care of uh, things by myself. I'm going to push through on my own. And then we tire out. Jesus makes it clear that when we pursue only material things, we'll be left feeling starved, constantly searching, depleted, and discouraged. Our, our Lord Jesus, he is the bread of life. And, and when we live by the words of Jesus, we're sustained with the very life of God. So how do we turn to Jesus and get sustained by him every day? Uh, that's what this message series is all about, sustained. We're going to be looking at the spiritual resources that God has made available to us. And we have to start using these resources that he's provided to sustain us. One of the most important resources that we have that, that God has made available to us now is the word of God, the Bible. And what we find is that God sustains us as we steadily consume his word. So in keeping with this metaphor of Jesus being the bread of life, the Bible is more like food, not so much like a reference book. And it's, it's tempting to uh, view it in that way. Just, uh, I, you know, I got a problem. I'll just pull it off the shelf. I'll reference it or I'll get a verse for the day or, you know, ask for someone with a biblical input idea. And then I'll just put it back on the shelf. The Bible is much more like food that we regularly digest. Uh, I want to show you a video clip of Billy Graham. He was a man of incredible impact uh, and influence, particularly as a, as a preacher and evangelist. And he reached millions of people in his lifetime all around the planet. And he made it to the age of 99. Uh, he passed away last year. But like Paul, he kept the faith. And, he, and so he, uh, he was a man that was well-sustained through life, a uh, very full, intense life. And so this is just a, a brief segment from a video where he's giving advice about walking with God. It starts with an old recording of him as a younger preacher, and then you see him more recently in his home. So check out this video. We must remember that we communicate the gospel by our lives as well as our lips. We live before a watching world, a world that is waiting to see if what we say is lived out in our lives. We must be living in the power of the Spirit. We must be men and women who are pure vessels for God's message. Secondly, you read his word every day, the Bible. I know it's very difficult, but you need to start somewhere. And I'd suggest you start with the Gospel of Luke and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, start with the very first verse. In the beginning, God. And study those passages. Make the Bible your source and your authority. Quote it frequently. Let its message be your message. Study it. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. Trust its promises. The Word of God itself has power. Billy Graham was a man who lived almost 100 years and has learned so much about life. 
And he encourages us in the simple act of reading God's word. And I, I even appreciate he says, I know it's hard, but you've got to start somewhere. Uh, the Bible is real big. It can be intimidating. Um, and our motivation can be real small. Uh, but we've got to start somewhere. We've got to steadily consume God's word. One of the ways that we do that is we get hungry. <laughs> you know, the way we start consuming, we get hungry. And maybe right now your appetite for reading the Bible is non-existent or real small. Maybe you've filled yourself up with something else and there, there's not a room for hunger in your life. Uh, pray and ask God for a hunger. Say, Lord, I, I don't want to read the Bible right now, but I want to want to read the Bible. I, I want to get where I, I crave that. Lord, help me. And this is, this is a prayer that I've definitely seen God answer in my own life. You can imagine his willingness to, to grant an answer to this request. Another thing we can do is to carve out a specific time to read the Bible each day. We've got to, you know, just think strategically for a moment. What, what is the best time of day where I can, where I can carve out and protect uh, a time? Make this a priority. There's so many things that we do carve out time for, make pride in our lives. Let's strengthen this habit. Uh, then what we can do is we can respond to what we've read. Uh, it's actually not enough to just read the Bible. In fact, it's entirely not enough just to read it and to know where stuff is. It's kind of like food is useless if it's just sitting there on the table and we admire it or we smell it. <laughs> um, food is good for us when we eat it and it, we digest it and it works into our bodies. So just knowing where to find the truth is, without uh, acting on it, it benefits us nothing. A practical way to respond to what you're reading, one, one practical way is to, to journal a thought. Uh, whatever you are, just, just write down a thought. I'm not really a big journaler. But, but I make this a habit because it just helps me solidify some kind of way to respond or some action I can take later in the day. And my desire to spend time in the Bible increases greatly when I engage the Word, and it makes a real difference in my life. This happens over and over again. I, I may be reading a psalm of David, and it just gives me hope for, for some of the discouraging thoughts I'm feeling. Or, or I'll read a story from the Old Testament about some men doing courageous uh, battles for the Lord that are trusting in him. And it gives me courage for what I'm, the big assignments I have to tackle. Or I get a word from Jesus in the Gospels. And, it, and he's telling me, you can't do that. Stop it. <laughs> I get corrected and I, and I make changes that really help me make progress in life. So I, I routinely come through life getting exhausted, getting worried, feeling discouraged, and just being foolish in situations and making mistakes and really blowing things up. And the Bible, a steady time in the Bible, it, it meets that with, and it provides me with hope and courage and, and situational wisdom and correction that I need so much. Every time the Bible intersects with my daily life, uh, my love and appreciation goes way up. <laughs> it's rarely the case that I have this affection for the Bible when I'm, when I'm just doing haphazard, infrequent, or rushed time in the Word. Another thing we can do to, to steadily consume God's Word is to remember that it's about knowing God. Not about doing homework. Um, the Bible is a book, and most of the time when you're doing homework, you're using books. <laughs> uh, the Bible is so much more than that, though. It's not, it's not an assignment. Really, the key for us is to have some kind of interchange with the Lord between me and God. And it's not about guilt, either. And in fact, it's possible. It's, it's possible based on what we've been talking about so far. You may be feeling some measure of guilt right now. That is not the intention and in fact, if you're, if you're considering making any changes to your habits or your life right now because you're feeling guilty, don't. Don't, don't do it for that reason. That's, that's not what we're after. That's not what God's after. That's not how God sustains us in life. Guilt's not a motivator in life that, that helps us. So it's not about homework or guilt or even appearances, what we can say we've done or read. 
Um, it's not about a method or a routine. It's really just about encountering our master every day. God is our father, our creator, our provider. He, he already knows and cares so deeply for us, and we want to get to know him better and better. Also, we could read an amount that's in line with your appetite. When I started out, I thought, I got real motivated. I, I thought, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to spend an hour doing my Bible reading and my prayer time. It's real ambitious. I did it for about a week, and then I dropped the habit altogether. <laughs> I couldn't sustain it. It was like a baby trying to eat a 72-ounce steak. It was just, it was too out of my league. Um, the Bible is big, and there's a lot of meat to it. Even after being a Christian for a very long time, or, or a longer time, um, I've struggled at points to maintain this habit. And so if you're just starting out, start small. Don't use a reading plan that's discouraging to you, that you feel like you're constantly behind in. Uh, maybe set a goal of reading either four or maybe five days out of seven. Start with just 10 minutes a day. Uh, read and ask God for help as you build consistency. Another thing we can do is to steadily consume God's word by reading through entire books, not skipping around. And uh, uh, sometimes we open a Bible and just you know point to a spot and maybe just change it up a lot. But I think steadily over time, Working through books, even a book of a Bible may even take you a couple months to read through if you're reading small 10-minute chunks. Uh, that's okay. But, but being through, getting through books helps us stay consistent, and, and it's easy uh, to stay consistent every day if we already know where tomorrow's reading is going to be. Another thing you can do is share insights with another person. Uh, this could be your spouse if you're married, or, or dads and moms. Share your insights with your kids, what you, what you learned from your Bible this morning or from God. Uh, co-workers, even if they're not Christians, you can let people know what God is speaking to in your life. Um, this, this sharing helps us solidify our habits and what we're learning. And then finally, ask for fresh ideas from others. Maybe you just, you're in a rut or you're, you're going through the motions of reading your Bible and you just need to break it up. Ask, ask for some input. God sustains us as we steadily consume his word. This is actually just one of the resources that God has provided to us uh, to sustain us. Next week, we're going to look at another crucial resource that he's given us. And for followers of Jesus Christ, if you, if you commit your, Lord to him, your life to him, these resources are at our fingertips already. And it's possible to call Jesus Lord, but not take advantage of the resources he's given us. Uh, so there's some next steps at the bottom of your listening guide you can look at. Maybe consider taking one of those. Uh, the worship team can return to this stage. Uh, in just a moment, our, our ushers will be prepare to uh, receive this morning's tithes and offerings. One other thing you could do, in addition to the next steps that are there, is you can pick up a quiet time guide at our welcome table. We printed out some guides to help build some habit and some consistency if you, if you want a little help. When Jesus changed the disciples' perspective on sustenance, one of the things he did is he just pointed to eternal life. And I think Jesus wants us to be thinking about so much more than just today or even just our little slice of life. <laughs> Jesus wants us thinking about eternity, because honestly, life is so short. It goes by fast. And there's a lot of things we can spend our time on. There's so much we can chase, and, and there's things calling to us, things we want to do, especially in our discretionary time. Um, even the busiest people among us, we still have discretionary time. There's pockets of time in, in between activities, or before we go to bed, or, or at key moments of the day or the week. Why not invest our time in the things that are eternal, the things that are going to last forever? In fact, there's, there are three things that are eternal that we can invest our time on. Uh, one is God, his word, and people. Any time spent, you know, any time you invest in these three things is automatically going to be a valuable investment of time. 
We spend time with God through prayer and worship, meditation. Spend time in his word in the ways that we've discussed today. And then people. Uh, We can invest in eternal things by loving others, helping them find Jesus, grow and deepen their commitments. For me, the Bible is my anchor. The Bible steadies me. It stabilizes my life and brings peace to my family. And God has really sustained me through it. The Bible gives me lift to soar through life, through, through the difficulties that, that do come. Difficulties still come, but uh, I'm able to handle situations with wisdom. I am so grateful for the Bible. I, I love that God gifted it to us. It's a, it is incredible. You, could, you know, God maybe didn't have to give us the Bible. He chose to give us the Bible, and he didn't skimp on any of the pages. <laughs> There's a lot in there, and it takes a long time to read and, to, and, and even longer to understand it. But everything we need is in there. I love, I love the Bible so much, and I so desperately need it. The more we consume it and digest it, we will experience a closeness with God. A strong, steady life grows out of a steady habit in the Word. John 8, 31, 32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, people that did believe in Jesus, he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible sets us free to soar. Doesn't mean there won't be discouragement. That's going to keep coming for sure. <laughs> Doesn't mean there's, going to, there's not going to be times of hopelessness. You probably will have those moments. Uh, and that will be oppressive and difficult. But using the resources that God gives us enables us to push through and endure well and still make an impact with our lives. When we do get to the end, may God make us like Paul, who could say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the Bible. What a gift it is. And you, uh, you speak to us through it. It's, it's a lot. It's, your word is powerful. It impacts us. And the, and the closer we get to you through time in the word is, is a way that you sustain us. And so I pray for each of us here, and myself included, help us to be develop an increased hunger and desire to spend time connecting with you, hearing from you, knowing you, by time in the Word. And I pray for experiences in our lives where, where, where you see it making a real difference. That our, it, w- it wouldn't be an abundant assignment, but it would be a, a deep internal conviction that your Word is the thing that we need. It's the bread of life that will sustain us. So we thank you for loving us through that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.